and welcome to a special annual edition of Talking Talk, the podcast for the media by us. It's the Oscar cast. Yeah. Uh, I'm here today with Chris. Hello. David. Hello. And TJ. What's up? And I'm Brent. And we're going to be discussing what we think should win at the 91st Academy Awards, which will be uh, this following weekend. February 24th. Um, Sunday night. So uh, tune in. So you can, uh, after listening to this... They might change their minds. It's going to be on Saturday, but don't worry, it'll be back on Sunday later. (laughs) It might be just streamed on YouTube. Who knows? Whatever they say, they won't. They'll go back to the normal thing. Crackle. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Tubi. Hey. Um, So yeah, we're going to be voting on that, sort of as a group. It could get contentious. It could get friendly. You never know how this is going to (laughs) go. So let's start things real quick, though. When did TJ step back? <laughs> <laughs> TJ's turn. TJ's turn. Oh, yeah. to write more. Another <laughs> intro bit. We'll get Daniel's dad's band. He'll do a TJ's turn bit. So there's this movie that came out. is a U.S. movie called Diary of a Teenage Girl. Anybody heard of this movie? Sure. Okay. Uh, it was rated R in the States. We got a uh, 18 rating in the U.K., Okay. 18 in the UK is essentially NC-17, but 18. Nobody allowed in the movie, period, under the age of 18. Is it is it Peggy for the UK also? Or is that just games? Just for games. Okay. The uh, UK is weird. It's got like an 8-year-old mark, a 12-year-old mark, a 15-year-old mark, and an 18-year-old mark. Yeah. And that's all their last names are Smith. So it gets real confusing. <laughs> um, so it got an 18 rating there, which pissed off a bunch of filmmakers. So this filmmaker, Charlie Lynn... <laughs> decided to make a film called Paint Drying, and he put it on Kickstarter, and he said, as much money as I get, the longer it gets. So just <laughs> give me money, and I'll make it as long as I possibly can. So he got 6,000 pounds, made a 10-hour and 13-minute movie of literally just paint drying, and submitted it to the uh, British ratings board. ratings board, so somebody had to watch it, <laughs> so they could rate it. He got the paperwork that said it was rated U for, like, that's anybody can watch it. He uh, called them and said, like, oh, you must not have watched the whole thing. And they redacted. <laughs> but there was nothing in it. It was just paint drying. <laughs> so they tried to not watch it. But, yeah, that's, that's TJ's tidbit. <laughs> he made the ratings board watch a 10-hour fucking movie for no reason. Then he never released it. <laughs> that's great. It's, I wonder if that aired in L.A. <laughs> yeah. Got the one week. <laughs> yeah. Like cinematography, they, they they didn't actually show the movie. They just like took one of their screens down, and <laughs> so you're just staring at the wall behind the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so immersive. It's, it's the same. Really, I hope that he like splashed in like a single image of a of different paint drying at some point. Just just so they had to, something to like go look. He didn't even like there. He just set up a camera and left. <laughs> Maybe Come something back. exciting does happen. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Maybe it accidentally captured a murder. <laughs> I hope that I hope that the tagline is uh, something about it being very blue humor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for the for the who should win, just to break it down, we're going to go category by category, starting with the. Uh, I hate to say these are the least important, but we'll call them that. <laughs> and ending with uh, the more important ones to to cap off with Best Picture. We're going to go through what was nominated, and then we'll all uh, kind of in turn say what our vote is. If we're tied or don't have a plurality, we'll kind of debate uh, until we get one. 
Word. Does that sound right? Does that sound like what we've done two years in a row? Yep. We might get a little crazy with Best Picture, but... Sure. That's probably like three hours from now. So yeah, Foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, the first three, we're going to do the shorts. So these are going to be a little bit different. We're going to say, because these are the least widely seen, I'm going to do a one-sentence description, and we may base our vote on what sounds the most depressing. <laughs> but that's my strategy. Uh, but we're starting with live-action short. So uh, the nominees here, along with the description, we have uh, Detainment. Two, tw- two ten-year-old boys are detained by police under suspicion of abducting and murdering a toddler. So rates high on the depression meter. Uh, five. <laughs> two boys looking for an adventure near an open pit mine who are soon drawn into a dangerous situation as their power game spins out of control. <laughs> I got these from uh, the Google thing directly. I didn't uh, edit this at all. Uh, Marguerite, an aging woman and her nurse, develop a friendship that inspires her to unearth unacknowledged longing and thus help her make peace with her past. Oh. Yeah. Mother, a woman, receives a frantic call from her six-year-old son who says he's lost and alone on a beach. <laughs> and this last one, Skin, a neo-Nazi, turns his back on his gang and undergoes a painful process to remove his facial tattoos and start anew. Uh, so we got Detainment, Five, Marguerite, Mother, and Skin. Who wants to go first? I'll go. I'm yeah. going for Mother. I'm intrigued already. <laughs> a little. <laughs> I want to know why kids on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why do kids go to beaches? And also, like, a good... I wonder how long it is. It's, like, under 40, 40 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, type of mystery, then. That's that's fun. I want to watch that. Yeah. Cool. One vote for Mother. Uh, I'll uh, initially vote for Skin. Nazis sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> Do Let's... not edit that out of context. Let's do this thing again. Yeah. Uh, I think that I'm also going to vote for Skin. Uh, to prove that uh, they're not all bad people. <laughs> There's good in that. <laughs> you have it on both sides. Yeah. Turn <laughs> uh, this podcast, podcast off real well. And uh, I'm also going to go skin. Um, to, I don't know, just because. <laughs> to vote for mother would be to prolong this. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, really I want to use my one, uh, like... Fuck y'all moment on this this category. <laughs> You're very passionate about this movie you haven't seen. Very passionate. We, we have registered... I can't uh, believe y'all don't want to know what happens to the six-year-old boy. The fuck is wrong with y'all? Yeah, for the listener, we've devoted protest votes before, like uh, Chris voting for, I think, not uh, La La Land songs. Yep. Official protest votes. too many nominated. Yeah. All right, I so... I expect the same in supporting actress this year. <laughs> So Skin wins the first, uh, what is our thing called again? The Timbu? Yeah. <laughs> the TMB Award? Whatever it is. All right. <laughs> the next category is Documentary Short. And uh, the nominations here are Lifeboat, German Volunteers Sail to the Mediterranean to Rescue refugee, Refugees from Sinking Rafts. Seen uh, it. Yeah. Period, end of sentence, Indian women fight the stigma surrounding menstruation and begin manufacturing sanitary pads. Sounds fun. Um, black Sheep, when his family moves to an estate rife with uh, racism, a black boy must take drastic steps to survive. Black Sheep. Uh, a night at, next one's A Night at the Garden. 
a film about a Nazi rally that filled Madison Square Garden in New York City in 1939. Hmm. And then Endgame, facing an inevitable outcome, terminally ill patients meet extraordinary mental <laughs> practitioners seeking to change our approach to life and death. Seeing it. Uh, all right. So just real quick, if we, the first two films we pick are Nazi movies <laughs> that could be construed as something. We'll wait till it gets to the description. But now. having said that, I'm going to vote for the Nazi movie. <laughs> okay, so I've actually seen one of these movies. Has oh. anybody else seen anything? No, no. Uh, I've seen Black Sheep. Okay. It's a, uh, it's it's a, uh, a very powerful story. The, the The only real part of it that's a documentary is just the uh, the the main guy telling his story. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is reenactments, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird in a documentary. It's not real. It's not poorly done, but at the same time, it's just sort of, I don't know how much of a documentary this really is. Okay. Um, that being said, it's not bad. It's pretty good. It's worth checking out. It's on, it's streaming on Amazon prime. I did not get around to end game because it sounded like a real drag. And, uh, same. For, uh, I didn't get around a period in a sentence, although they're both on Netflix if anybody out there wants to go see them. Uh, but I'm voting for A Night at the Garden. I've read a little bit about it, and uh, apparently it is just uh, archival footage. It is uh, They have footage from this 1939 Nazi American Nazi rally that uh, filled Madison Square Garden. That they like, found recently, right? I think so. Like, and it so, got unearthed in the past few years. And so I think, uh, I think that would be interesting... Given the events of the uh, you know recent years and whatnot, sure. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Madison Square Garden seen a lot of big moments in recent years. The New York Knicks have been very bad. Talking about the big three, Celtics. Um, I'll go ahead and vote. I'm going to do period and end of sentence. Sounds the most interesting um, of these. Uh, Night of the Garden does sound interesting, but uh, um, I don't know. I liked the title. But when it was just nominated and hearing it's actually, you know, probably a serious movie, uh, it sounds interesting to me. Well, I don't want to create a deadlock here, so I'm not going to vote for period of sentence, having not seen any of them. Although I will say that it is uh, listener Katie's uh, favorite of, that she's seen. She's seen, she's seen all the ones available. At uh, least. Yeah, I think she's seen four of these. <clears throat> Uh, and so I will, I'm going to, I'm going to vote with the, uh, with the, the Nazi guys over here, uh, and say night at the garden. To be fair, this, both these are against Nazis. Right? Yes. That's why I'm voting for it. Wait, uh, my vote's changing. <laughs> just wait until we start voting for Black Klansmen. <laughs> All right, so a night at the garden. <laughs> night at the garden wins a documentary short. Uh, last short, animated short. Uh, the nominations here with uh, a description, animal behavior, animated anthropomorphized characters are in a therapy session, and it is animated. Um, Bao, a Chinese-Canadian woman suffering from emptiness syndrome, gets a second shot at motherhood when one of her handmade dumplings comes alive. Uh, late afternoon, uh, the film is about an elderly woman coping with dementia as she relives her memories of the past. One small step is a Chinese American girl dreams of becoming an astronaut, and weekends uh, the artist's own childhood experience as a child of divorced parents who spends the week living with his mother in Hamilton, Ontario, while spending weekends with his father in Toronto. What's with all this Canadian shit, eh? I know. <laughs> Sorry, he's forty percent Canadian. I'm taking Bao. I've seen it, and it's really adorable. And they've optioned it into a full-length movie. Oh. So I think that that is a uh, good sign. It's adorable. 
What's the first one called? Uh, animal, animal behavior. behavior. Yeah, that one. That one sounds silly and fun. <laughs> okay. It sounds uh, like that Duplass Brothers show. Well, I remember last year there was that short about like the guy shows up to a therapy session and he thinks he's the therapist. Yeah, so funny. I think that that got my vote that year because it just sounded like a funny sketch. Did you, did you ever get to watch it? I never saw it. Me, oh, me you see it. It was really fucking funny. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was like a big Abbott Costello like who's on first routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good. So that's not nominated this year. Though. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> my uh. My vote goes to one small step. It just looked really cute. So, and you're voting for animated astronaut short again. Yeah. God, that one was so good. <laughs> Did that even make it to the nominations that year? Yeah. Oh yeah, we okay. got nominated. I kind of wanna... that was the year that. Sorry, David. The our favorite though was like by far our favorite. Oh, end of the world or the uh, 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 world is tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Kind also propose that in the in the event of a four way tie where three of us have not seen any of the movies, we just kill like, one of us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I was gonna say Chris wins if uh, on this. If, if yeah, I have a. Uh, it'd be funny to go weekends or late afternoon, but I'll go with the one somebody's seen. And <laughs> I've seen some art from it or from the trailer or whatever. It looks cute. I'll go bow bow because I love dumplings. <laughs> what better way to choose a winner? <laughs> David loves dumplings. All right. Now getting into categories where we have seen some of them. Um, starting with foreign language film. Uh, nominations here are Roma from Mexico, Cold War from Poland, Shoplifters from Japan, Never Look Away from... Ooh, I forgot. Germany. Germany? Okay, Germany. And Capernaum from uh, Lebanon? Correct. Yeah. I believe Lebanon. I'll go ahead and start. I've only seen one of them, and it's Roma. Roma's my vote. I've also only seen one. I would. I want to see Cold War, but I'm real bad. I wish they also people that made it wanted yeah, me to see it. I want to see it too. But um, <clears throat> Roma's a very, very special and unbelievable film. So I have no problem voting for it here. Mm-hmm. I will be voting for Roma because it's the only one I've seen. And then I will add, besides Cold War, which I really would like to see, I also really want to see Shoplifters. Me which uh, it might be the movie with the most buzz I've heard about. <coughs> it's on here. It's on Amazon Prime. So it is. It is the one of these. So two of these five... It's on Amazon to rent, right? Right, to rent, sorry. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you can rent it on Prime. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is. there are two movies on here that you will be able to see before the Oscars. It's Roma and Shoplifters. I haven't gotten around to Shoplifters either. It's the same director who did that, that Japanese movie about the parents who move away. You saw that wrong, right? They leave like uh, like four children in an apartment. Like after the storm? Is that the... <sighs> no. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Still walking. I don't know. Just reading his filmography. I, thought, I thought it was something that you watched back in the day. Maybe. Without remembering the title. Uh, but yeah, Clean Sweep for Roma. I think that Roma is, uh, is, is a fantastic film. Yeah, I figured this would be one of the biggest slam dunks of the night. Yeah. <clears throat> and probably will be the same thing on next Sunday. Yep, agree. Uh, next up in uh, our specialty kind of movies is Best Documentary. Uh, we have RBG, about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Free Solo, about free climbing, uh, El Capitan, uh, Minding the Gap, about skaters in Rockford, Illinois, uh, Hale County, This Morning, This Evening, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. Um, that's about kind of like day-to-day life in Alabama. Uh, and of Fathers and Sons, it's like a... a fa- it's a, Syrian. Yeah. 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 Is the filmmakers embedded with uh, youth that are... Kind of, uh, I think trying to get drafted by yeah. the uh, 
Yeah, Syrian ISIS. ISIS, yeah. Syrian Army ISIS, yeah. Um, to insert a little bit of a watch list here, Chris and I did today watch Free Solo. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible filmmaking. I mean, the effort that goes into it is so specialized. It is deserving of a nomination only because it's filmed well by people who are doing things that, like, they're doing two things that only a handful of people on Earth can do either one separately. Right. And they're doing them both. Because you have to be, like, an expert, top-of-the-line mountain climber. Yeah. Wall climber, in this case, to be able to even shoot it. And then it's shot really well on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that kind of the extent of, like, what blows you away about the movie? Like, a, like is it <clears throat> sort of, like... Just this one aspect, but this one aspect is just so breathtaking that it's clear why it was nominated. No, this guy, uh, Andrew uh, Wolcom, what's his name? Andrew, it's Andrew something. Mm -hmm. There is no other human being like him. Honnold? Alex Honnold? Alex. Alex, yeah. Um, There's no other human being like him on the planet. And it is, that is proven true by him, I mean, it's a community, right? So he knows a lot of other free solo climbers. Um... And none of them are going to free solo El Capitan. They think it's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, there are climbers and filmmakers that do that that are turning down the gig because yeah. they're like, I don't want to watch him die. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to have that in my lens. Some of the documentarians, when he starts to climb, like they stop because they're like, I can't watch this. Like I'm a climber. I know this guy. We've been following him. It's the film team that he has kind of follow him around for mm-hmm. his whole career. Um, you know, I, I don't want to watch my friend die today. Does it play like a kind of a thriller? I think it plays more of a character study, and the movie's more about him than it is about him free soloing El Cap. Yeah, okay. one of the one of the main storylines <clears throat> is kind of about uh, his his like headspace and focus, and how his new best relationship sorry his new relationship, which is his best by far, is kind of impacting his ability to be fearless. Um, he's dating this woman uh, who is also kind of an amateur climber, and it kind of makes the needle jump a little for him, where before he was just like, whatever, like, you know, they scan his brain, and they're like, you don't have a normal amygdala. You don't experience fear like other human beings do. And they don't know if that's like a genetic thing, or if it's because he's been doing shit like this since he was 18, and it right. doesn't work anymore. Right. So, it is it is a remarkable, <clears throat> unique story um, about a remarkable, unique person. Um, and it's beautiful. Filmed in an interesting way, and like mining the gap, which I think will probably take this, you know, not to jump ahead, um, but it, it is very much involving the filmmakers in the making of the film too. Um, I think that that TJ and I like our favorite people in it because he's not really that likable, Alex. He's f- like he's very robotic. hard on the spectrum too. Like yeah. he's got an issue. Yeah, they talk about him, his dad having Aspergers, and maybe him having Aspergers. And his he, mom is pretty sure he has Aspergers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he, he lacks a lot of, you know, social empathy and, you know, exhibits signs of someone who would be, like, sociopathic. Mm-hmm. Not to dwell on this movie too much, but I think a good example of that, he was like, when I was 18, I decided I needed to eat vegetables, so I just systematically introduced myself to vegetables one at a time until I started liking them. Yeah. So it's, like, very, like, he's like, he's like how do I do this? I'll do it this way, and then I just do that. He's like, and now I eat anything. And you see him, he makes kind of, kind of like a stir-fry, but it's sliced potatoes, spinach, and eggs. That he just puts in a skillet in the van that he lives in, and he just cooks it all up at the same temperature, and when it's done, he eats it out of the skillet with a spatula. There's like, coffee out of his pot. Yeah, like, there, there's no wasted resources or motion or movement. It is... Or energy. Cause, yeah. yeah. Um, so, he's kind of insane. Uh, but so, the most likable people are the filmmakers, who are in front of the lens a lot more than you would expect from a typical documentary. 
which seems to be kind of a trend in some favorites like Faces Places, um, with you know Icarus Ag- too. I- Icarus, you know, Mind of the Gap. Yeah, yeah. kind of turning the lens on the documentarian, which I like, and probably the documentary guild likes now that it has a uh, control of what gets nominated these days. Yeah, I forgot to mention with categories where we have guild winners, I'll kind of mention it. <clears throat> this one, Mining the Gap, won the I, the IDA award, the Inter- International Documentary. It was like back in like October or something. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was like one of the first early. things. Yeah. yeah, kind of an upset at the time. I'm probably gonna go five stars on Free Solo. Um, I watched it ten hours ago, so it's yeah. fresh in my mind. But uh, my vote, if we want to go ahead and start that, yeah, I, know, I think somebody obviously in RBG. I don't know if you have anything to add about that, but I'm, I'm, my vote's Mining the Gap still. It's uh, I don't know if it's my favorite documentary of all time. Uh, Chris and me, I know, are, and David, too, are huge fans of Fistful of Quarters. It might still be my favorite documentary of all time because it's just so damn fun to watch. But Mind of the Gap is way, way up there. Yeah. So, definitely my favorite of the year. I've seen RBG. Um, it's, for me, it's a slam dunk, Minding the Gap over RBG for me. So Yeah, I think you, you pretty succinctly described why RBG is kind of a sore thumb in this category. Um, it's not really for anyone except if you have like a very curious fascination of like who's this Ruth Bader Ginsburg woman and you somehow don't know right. Um, so I I, <laughs> yeah, I I struggle to find who it's for. Yeah, this is basically to the converted. Um, great subject matter, the uh, average doc. Yeah, very important person to American history mm-hmm. and to current events. Mm-hmm. It's it almost plays like a fan film, like yeah. for people who are already it's almost in like love bo- with her. Bohemian Rhapsody, and not to get into politics here but like I mean, the four of us range from progressive to like moderate in this group but that film is definitely made for people that like living in an echo chamber oh yeah um, but so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm minding the app as well I think that Free Solo is an excellent piece of filmmaking I think I gave it four stars um, I was a little hard on it uh, but yeah. I, my, minding the gap is just fantastic yeah and I'll complete the uh, the sweep here minding the gap um we had a lot of discussion on it in our uh, top ten list. I gotta say, no surprise. It was the only film that made all four top tens, so no surprise yeah. here. Really, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gorgeous documentary. Yeah. Although I, I have a feeling that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just tried to steal TJ's drink. Uh, I have a feeling that the, the first man might have shook up people's top tens a little bit. Um, yeah, my 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 would have been shaken up by that, and then of course, I think so. Yeah. My failure to see Roma would have definitely shaken up my top. 10. Yeah. But anyway, not to jump ahead. We've got my favorite category, because I cleared this one fucking early. Nice. Sick. But best documentary, Mind the Gap. Uh, we'd be thrilled if that pulls an upset. But it's, um, it's come Oscar it's, night. It's documentary category, so it's not outside of the realm of possibility that yeah. something crazy wins. They go kooky sometimes like that. I mean, especially in a category where the past two years, we've the frontrunner hasn't been nominated. Mm-hmm. So... Anything can happen. Yep. All right, next category. It's the last of our kind of specialty designation movies. Uh, best animated feature. We have uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Mirai. I want to hear a little bit about Mirai from Chris, who's the only one of the four of us who saw it. What would, you, what would you like to hear? Just kind of general, like a succinct general thought on the film. I know you talked about it some on Watch yeah. but for anybody who didn't hear that episode. Yeah, and since this this was like a very limited run, a quick synopsis like is... two days <laughs> at the yeah, theater near our house. Two non-concurrent days. Yeah. Um, it played, I think, like, like... Wednesday and Saturday. December 7th and December 10th. Yeah, at 6.15 only or yeah. something. Uh, so it's about a young family 
who is expecting another child. And it is all from the perspective of uh, the young boy in the family uh, who's kind of preparing for his little sister to be born and come home. And then dealing with uh, kind of the little sister getting all the attention and where he fits in with the family now that he's not the baby and not, you know, the center of attention. But the layer on top of that is that there is a, uh, a tree in the yard uh, that is kind of like tree of life-ish um, that, that kind of links uh, the family to past and future generations and helps this boy's imagination kind of run wild and he like meets his dead grandfather and like meets his sister when she's like 18 and that kind of like plays in his like make-believe to solidify his role as but the protector of his little sister but also still the baby and you know respecting his mother and father. I'm positive I'll end up on a stump streaming service. I would recommend it without seeing it, only because it may have been one of my favorite trailers of the year is up there with Welcome to Marwin. It just looked super fun. <coughs> yeah. And, uh... That, yeah. What's the video again? I forget the name right now. Uh, is it G-Kids? It's G-Kids. Yeah. G-Kids is the, the production company. They produce a lot of movies, um, or distribute a lot of movies, so their, their name gets kind of uh, put on lots of American releases, but they were pretty heavily involved in this one in particular. Yeah, I'm a big fan of... I, I looked into it to see who actually did it. The I've seen one of the earlier films this guy did, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yeah. Um, really great. It's like a girl who can time travel, but it's much more focused on relationships and like how those uh, change and... Yeah, similar, similar to Mariah. Yeah. Chris it's, is it's pretty similar, yeah. Okay. Fantastical concept, but really based in, you know, the humanity of it. Yeah. So. There's some really funny bits because the kid is obsessed with train sets and so, like, you know, there's a, there's a big, uh, you know, tr- trains and bullet trains and speed... All that shit is really big industry in Japan. Yeah. And so he's, like... There's some really funny train gags uh, from the kid that are, like... You know, there's lots of, like, humor for kids in the movie that's just kind of like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. There's lots of, like, anime-style humor uh, that maybe misses our culture a little bit. Uh, but then there's some bits that just are really funny. Um, especially the exhausted parents trope. I never get tired of that. Yeah. Um, I know she's also a big fan of anime, so it's hard to get a good feel, but I only know two people that have seen it, but how did the missus like it? Oh, she liked it. Um, I don't think she loved it, and, um, you know, I think that there's probably two other movies on here, at least, that she would she would pick above this one. Cool. Um, but I, I recommend seeing it. It's a, it's a great little movie. Where would you have it in your top uh, five order? Of these five, I'd have it three. Okay. I guess I'll just go. Yeah. I mean, I uh, yeah. Not that my five through two matter, but uh, from from number five, it would be uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, then Isle of Dogs, uh, Mirai, Incredibles 2, and then Spider-Verse. Nice. Uh, I know we won't do this on all of them. Uh, obviously, the three of us haven't seen Mirai, but my, my ranking for doing that from bottom up, Incredibles 2 was fourth for me, Ralph was three, Isle of Dogs was second, and uh, kind of... Maybe the first Oscar nominee I like really heard about. I remember hearing about this movie like last year. Like, did y'all hear that? Like, John Mulaney's playing Spider Man in a movie. And I was like, no. <laughs> and, then, and then very but shortly I'm afterwards, intrigued. very shortly afterwards, they're like, did you know that Nicolas Cage is playing Spider Man in that same movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, beautiful film and the voice work and the animation. The, the animation is just fucking jaw droppingly great. I would watch a movie based on any of the Spider-Man versus versions that are in that, like, hands down. If they did a whole, like, 
noir Spider-Man movie, I'd watch it. If they did a whole, like, the, the anime mech Spider-Man, I would watch that too. Yeah. It was, it was really good. And I was really just glad that Morales got his movie finally. They've been clamoring for that for years. And yeah. Deserved yeah. It, so. For me, it was tough. Um, actually, I'm curious. David, do you, what's yours? I'll go ahead and go, because uh, I have a blind spot here. I did not see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And I just saw uh, Incredibles 2 and Ralph Breaks Internet last couple days. Um, I was kind of disappointed with both of those, actually. Yeah. yeah. Both of those are kind of just retreads uh, to me. Incredibles 1 is kind of the same plot. or It's the same plot as Incredibles 1, just from the female perspective. Which is it got some interesting stuff in it. And Ralph Breaks the Internet, it's like it's a fun take on internet culture, but I don't think it does too much. It made me giggle are... at least a little bit. Ralph did. I think sure. the Incredibles 2 part... Me and Brent talked about this some because I think we saw it close to the same time Chris saw it way before we did. But it had a that that female perspective bit you talk about. Like it, it was there, but I feel like it never took it anywhere. It yeah. kind of stopped, and they throw it in the garbage when they get to the to the boat. It right. felt it yeah. felt unactualized. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like oh, this is where this movie's going, and then it felt like I was kind of cheated out of the first forty five minutes of that they, film. They throw away everything when they get to the boat. That movie that movie becomes like a sea movie when they get to the cruise ship. Yeah, you're right. And I just, like, I, I can't stand for that superhero bullshit where they just, like, let's introduce 20 characters and then, like, have them be fodder. Like, and I couldn't, and Pixar does so, so, such a good job with that normally. Yeah. But I couldn't keep them fucking straight yeah. near the end. Yeah. I did get a kick out of the tired dad stuff and the yeah. crazy Jack, baby stuff. With Jack the Jack and the Other Dimension is still one of the best gags of the year for me. Yeah. I laughed so hard at that <laughs> like shit. Like the so, giggling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> But uh, my number one is uh, Isle Dogs. Really loved it. Probably would have made my top ten if I saw it in time. Sweet. Oh, wow. Nice. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. it was actually a pretty tough category for me. There's three movies that I just really, really like for different reasons. Uh, I didn't see Mirai, and uh, Incredibles 2 kind of fell short for me this year a little bit. But um, So it comes down to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse being really, really fun. Isle of Dogs being like very... Heart touching, I think for me, I really enjoyed that movie. And then uh, Ralph breaks the internet. Had I mean, I, I love the I love the image of uh, what breaks the internet being an army of identical white men all angry that a woman won't give them attention. It's it's great. It's yeah. the internet stuff in Ralph breaks the internet was really good. It's I will agree. Security that yeah. like, crashes the system. I mean, how about that fucking like? Animation building like the the Grand Falloon like Legion style Ralph. It yes. was it was it that's was funny too. that's when I first saw. It. I didn't want to spoil for you for you guys. I was like, there's something they do with the animation that is insane that like is haunting. Yes, and it's like the it's constantly like, writhing, climbing Ralphs on top of the giant Ralph. The jolts of electricity going through. Yeah, it. it's like, yeah. Um, that being said, I think I'm opting for fun here, and I'm going to vote for Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yeah, it's very. I think it's closer for me than it is for uh, TJ and Chris, but it's uh, it gets my vote. And then to, uh, I don't want to just like dwell on the animation in Spider Man. It was incredible, but I watched a twenty minute YouTube doc on how the fuck they animate Isle of Dogs, and goddamn, bless those people. It I is think, painstaking work, man. Yeah, I do you think Isle of Dogs had my most impressive animation of the year? It was just gorgeous. Um, but also, you know, shout out to Spider-Man uh, for uh, looking like an actual comic book come to life, which was really cool. And then, and then taking five different animation styles and 
using them all distinctly and blending them together really well. Yeah. I don't want to say it's the first time it's happened, but it's the first time I've seen it and can remember. But him getting bitten by the spider, turning into Spider-Man, and then all of a sudden like hearing the voice bubbles was really funny and really clever. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are there voices in my head? Why am I saying everything out loud now? <laughs> it was really funny. But I forgot to mention the uh, the guilds for this. The Annie Awards went with Spider-Man for Best Main Feature and Best Independent Feature they gave to Mirai. Both of them represented here. Yeah, Spider-Man came out and then just has been on a steady climb since it was released. Oh, it, it is the, like, it is the odds-on favorite, like, annihilating the other four. Yeah. Which is weird, because Incredibles 2 was such a big favorite, like, three months ago. But then everyone saw it. Yeah. And, like... It's, it's that Pixar thing, too, man. People just go, like, yeah, it's Pixar. It's probably really And it good. may still win. Yeah. Because it's people, possible. like... Although this is one of the most watched categories... Is people get screeners and then people have kids because if you're of the age where you can afford to make a movie and devote your life to something for nine months, yeah, I mean this is probably the category even with there being eight nominees of Best Picture that made the most money. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Plus, you you know it, even if you're trying to make an effort to watch all these Oscar nominated movies, it, just the way the nominations tend to go, a lot of them are kind of a drag at times, and you need a little pick me up. And you know when you have Ralph breaks the Internet or All the Dogs or anything like that, it's a great thing to watch after you've watched. Uh, you know, a star is born or something. Yeah. So next category, next category, we have best visual effects. The nominations here are Avengers infinity war. First man, ready player one solo, a star Wars story and Christopher Robin. And just to get the guild out of the way, the visual effects society went with uh, Avengers for main effects for supporting effects in a film. They went with first man. So both of their main categories represented here. (laughs) I'm sorry, I was just like, well, now it makes my choice hard, because I'm between those two, but, <laughs> eh. I'll start. Uh, this, I think this is one of the few categories I've actually closed out. I saw a lot of these movies in, like, April, or whatever, when they came out. Um, Avengers is really good. It's the best of the, like, action movies for me. <coughs> I've got it better than Solo or Ready Player One. Ready Player One kind of bothered me a little bit. I don't know if that's just a personal thing or not, but some of the effects, like the in-video game stuff, was just a little weird at times for me. It was kind of, I don't want to say jarring, but just looked kind of wrong. And maybe it was supposed to, because it's, you know, a video game. Who's to say? Right. I don't know. But uh, Solo was just so not memorable for me, and what its special effects did. Right. Um, Brent made a good point last night. I was kind of talking to him, not... Talking about where our votes are necessarily, but just collusion. I wanted to like talk a little bit before I got on air about like mm. what things were and like. Do you remember that in this movie though? That was pretty cool. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Because you know whatever. Thanos was really good. Brent brought up, which I think is a good point in Avengers. A main character that didn't feel like it was fake. He looked, yeah, like just a normal kind of thing. So Avengers is there for me. My, my vote here though is for the subtle visual effects. I think they were. Beautiful and well done in First Man. And that's my vote. Uh, eke it out, Christopher Robin, which I don't want to cut short. The The real world Winnie the Pooh stuff was done really, really well. I'll go next just to put more pressure on Chris later. Um, I'm going to vote for Avengers Infinity War here. Um, I think the effects were my favorite part of the movie. And it was a really strong movie in that regard. Um, I did not get around to seeing Christopher Robin. That movie looked really good. Um, it's a fun watch. If you get bogged down in some like downers for the uh, 
shorts, if you plan on watching those. Christopher Robin is a delightful pick-me-up. Yeah, nice. Uh, but yeah, I, like like TJ said, I was very impressed with uh, the animation of Thanos. The, I remember the second time I watched the movie even noticing like how well animated he how good those visual effects were. It was were. a really, really good point that like, I would have glossed over. I there's like... You can almost see him having like like um, like a tactile uh, interaction with things. Yeah, which is I think a step forward. In the scene that popped in my heads. head when you were talking about that was him and like toddler Gamora when yeah. he's executing half her planet. Like he looked just it didn't look abnormal at all in that scene. It was really well done. David, <clears throat> uh, I'm also between those two. Uh, I had to get really nitty gritty about it to kind of differentiate. I was thinking Avengers Infinity War, but I just thought that it's probably the most visual effects, but it's also, uh, this This is just for me, not, not that this is anything uh, you guys have to describe. It is also, it's the consolidation of a lot of these uh, visual effects driven characters that we've seen before. So we've seen Rocket Raccoon, we've seen Groot, we've seen a lot of these characters, we've even seen Thanos in Marvel movies before. Now they... They finalize him, and they're, it's really great, but it just doesn't match the awe and wonder that, I guess, the visual effects assisted in going to the moon on First Man. So I'm going First Man. I I hear that, and I feel like First Man will get its due for me in other categories for that, for those scenes in particular. But for me, it's a crystallization of the different movies and the different effects in Avengers Infinity War. All, like Lots of which got nominated for Best Visual Effects. So they put a bow on those, and then they perfect more. Like, the whole... Like, we don't see the Reality Stone used at all until Infinity War. So that, like... Just, like, if that probably is in their sizzle reel. You know, like, Drax running full speed and then turning into a pile of cubes. Like, Mantis falling into, like, a puddle of ribbon. Like, all that stuff is really inventive and... Really, I mean, Thanos throws a fucking moon at the Avengers. Like, that is a cool scene. Like, pulls the moon down from the sky as, like, you know, if it's a fighting game, as, like, his, like, down forward low punch. <laughs> like, this is, like, a basic thing, like, yep, moon, come here. And <clears throat> there's just lots of stuff in that movie where uh, they, I don't want to say turn it up to 11, because I feel like that's, like, a shit way to explain it. Um, but... You know, they take all of these effects, like, yeah, we've had Scarlet Witch with her, like, crazy rave hands. We've had, uh, you know, Vision shooting, like, mind bullets. Like, all that stuff is cool, and we've done it before, and it's been good in those movies. But then there's so much more that gets added to this, just with the use of the gauntlet. Um, And to the point, like, to the culmination of the movie of the final fight on Titan, it is just an incredible scene with lots of great effect work. Uh, kind of finally blending together these like out of place uh, like ragtag Avenger group that's like stranded on the moon with Thanos. And I'll add that um, in a lot of movies that have a ton of effects like Avengers did, I can kind of get lost in them sometimes. I can get lost in the effects and I don't really have a good sense of like, a lot of it just seems like noise. Like, Ready Player One? Yes. Ready Player One definitely has a lot of that. And My favorite Marvel movie, Avengers, I mean that happens in the final fight scene so I'm about to get kind of Vertigo-ish, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it didn't really happen for me in Avengers. I thought all the, the no, was, visual was, effects were very... They were used in a way that kept me oriented. It was incredibly legible. Yes. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to, like, 
a movie, <laughs> I would say, has, like, I think the Marvel movie that has the most effects is probably Doctor Strange. Yeah. My God, that movie is just, uh, like, a look at all the things I learned in animation class. <laughs> we gave Benedict ben Cumberbatch some sparklers and filmed them <laughs> <laughs> with, like, a slow, like, aperture speed. Yeah. yeah. yeah I remember when I was eight and I went, whoa, <laughs> circle sparkler. He wrote the weird love. that movie. I think got our vote for special effects. It got mine for visual effects, but I was most impressed by the car crash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I will say, even though I had the identical thought as Chris, as uh, like I may be voting for First Man in other things later, uh, I will note that this is uh, yet another Oscar podcast where Damien Chazelle's movie early on gets uh, <laughs> it's like, don't worry, we'll reward him later. I did, and I, I had that same <laughs> thought process too, and I will say that I did. <clears throat> make a conscious decision before this podcast to not do that. Because I didn't... It's not, I don't want to reward the movie for a whole because the people that did the visual effects don't give two fucks. That, but they don't probably. But, like, this is for them and not, like... Yeah, I didn't vote for you because the sound was really good. Like, I don't... You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's... But, and to, to be fair... I'm not saying y'all need to do that. I'm right? not saying I'm 50-50 and then choosing one because I'm giving sure, sure, sure. sound yeah. to First Man. I'm saying that I think the Avengers is better. Right. You were to say that bit kind of to make yourself feel better. Well, well because I know what you mean. I'm not like talking. I want to recognize the greatness of that movie, and I think that's in sound categories. I think I think that, that sure. the visual effects are phenomenal. But like, if your argument for against Avengers: Infinity War is that like, well, it's just kind of taking the things we've seen before. It's like, well, how many fucking space movies do you need to see? This did seem different. You did. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not the same I argument. Give, I was about to give you credit for your argument, and then you just made fun of mine. Yeah. <laughs> but giving credit to your argument, the the most I've heard so far is like, you know, Thanos seems like a real character, but we're like ten years on with that being kind of a base level. But you do bring up a good point about the reality stone stuff and uh, a lot of other things. I think getting lost in animation is is a good sell on that. Yeah, I just can go not, ahead and uh, not, that, not that this matters. I'm real quick. I want to ask one more question. Where do y'all have First Man ranked? Number two. I don't know. I mean, I'm I just saw First Man today, and I don't know. It might be to its credit that what I'm about to say, but I don't know that I even recognized a lot of the visual effects in the movie as visual effects. And that may be a credit to the visual effects, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, it leaves me kind of ignorant as to, like, what was done in this category. I mean, it's kind of why, they, why the guild puts on a sizzle reel mm-hmm. yeah. for the, for, before they nominate. Yeah. I kind of look at it the way you look at, like, subtle acting, I guess. Yeah. That is more impressive to me than... Like, if something's done with visual effects and not... I don't know. It's hard to explain. I don't want to say, like, no visual effects is more impressive than doing it, like, in actuality, because, like, Mission Impossible Fallout was fucking badass because I knew Tom Cruise was doing all that shit. You know what I mean? Right. But it was cool in First Man to see some of the, like, Gemini spinning out of control shit. It was just really fucking cool. It was really, really... Yes. I I definitely agree in that regard. It is also hard for me to differentiate... Like, for actors, if you have a subtle performance, is it uh, working off a great screenplay? Or a director who understands humanity? Uh, versus, like, visual effects is the same kind of argument. Like, what is the production design? What did they actually build? What is direction? Like, what did he Damien yeah. Chazelle show us that they didn't have to invent? What is the sound design? You know, things I think they're cool. Am I... Is, it, is the sound selling the case more than the visuals? It's, it's, pro- it's probably a... It's all a... Gumbo. Probably a, Yeah. <laughs> And I, I'm fine with, with punting on this one, too, and going to Avengers. I had a third behind Chris. Where'd you have Christopher Robin, Chris? Third. Okay. 
Yeah, but uh, I'm fine. I think David probably is too with, with it going to Avengers. Yeah, it's a, it's a close second for me, so I'm okay. I like the the argument you made before you made fun of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was well spoken. So Avengers Infinity War gets best visual effects. Good transition. Next category, <laughs> we are talking about sound, man. Uh, we'll give our disclaimer about what we think this category means. It does not mean it's going to be what it actually awards come Oscar night. I think last year all three of you were flipped with your official predictions. <laughs> we know more than the voters, and I'm not, uh, that's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. We really do probably really, know more than yes. most of the voters. I can accurately describe both of these categories, <laughs> finally, after three years. Except I think that the last three years I've picked the same movie for both, just because I didn't want to think about it. <laughs> Not a bad strategy. I feel like that's what a lot of voters do. <laughs> I think I might do it again this year. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, so the first category is sound mixing, which the easy explanation we have is this is sound balancing. It's what you think, it's what it sounds like. It's how good the movie sounds. Not what the yeah. sound sounds like, it is what the category sounds like it is. It's the yeah. balance <laughs> of uh, uh, dialogue, music, actual sound on set, actual Foley stuff, all that stuff. So our nominees here are A Star is Born. First Man, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Panther, and Roma. I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one off, off the ladies' tees and say this is what I was talking about with First Man. Go ahead. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of First Man for just that, the, the, the moon landing scene. That just does it for me, for sound. It was, it uh, was magical. It captures that awe-inspiring moment uh, between... Like, the juxtaposition between... Uh, shots outside of the capsule it's completely pitch silent Mm -hmm. and then like the frantic frenetic energy inside the capsule of them like you know turning knobs and like pressing levers and that is just I think great editing and mixing mixing Neil Armstrong's actual dialogue on the moon with created sound in the film (laughs) is fucking awesome (laughs) and ballsy and just a cool idea, and it worked, and you got, like, I mean, I was reading about some of this. You got, like, Ryan Gosling's breaths mixed with Neil Armstrong's words. Because, I mean, he was just like, what? They used Armstrong's quote? Yeah. That wasn't, yeah, that that wasn't was Ar- Gosling that was Armstrong. doing? Yeah. Because uh, I think Armstrong, one of the first things Gosling asked him was, like, can I, like, am I doing all that? Like, do I need to practice that? Because that's going to be really hard to recreate, and people are going to, like, be pissy about it if I do it wrong. Right. And Chazelle apparently from the get-go was like, oh, you're not saying that. We're using what we have. Um, from Neil when he lands on the moon. But he had to act during that scene anyway because they wanted, uh, you know, better better sound when he's not talking, essentially. Yeah. But Chazelle never thought it was a good idea to have him recreate that line that we've all heard like hundreds and hundreds of times. To infinity and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought that that is the most prominent scene in the sound mixing. Also, when when shit go, is going wrong on Gemini and when shit's going wrong on Apollo One, and they're frantically hitting switches and pressing buttons and doing everything yeah. they can, and the fucking spark ignites and the fire starts, like that is all. The sound is so frantic in the especially the Apollo One scene. Yeah, which is just I was watching it with Cass who doesn't like know the history of the space program nearly as well as as I do. And I don't do it like real well. I know the basics. I know the Apollo One people died in training. You know right. what I mean. Uh, so I saw that scene coming, and I was kind of edging my seat, like, uh, this is going to suck. Yeah. And uh, that scene was so frantically done, and there wasn't a lot of camera movement, and I think it's almost all over the sound. 
My vote's for Spin, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> if you ended that with, like, my vote's for Roma. We're in the mixing category, correct? Yes. Mixing. Okay. Roma was my number two. This is where I'm voting for Roma, I think, with the... Uh, the the way the sort of city and the sound uh, the setting sort of comes alive, I think, through the sound in that movie. Right, really. scenes were incredibly mm-hmm. mixed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, again, when I saw the movie, that stuck out to me on on my only watch of the movie, and it was a big reason I love the movie so much. So, Roma, fairly easy vote for me here. That that manor in the jungle they go to just breathes with life. Mm-hmm. Like the, the 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 two different parties and the way they've got like. Kind of like the quiet, subdued cocktail party that's getting a little wild. And then you go into the basement with all the help and their party, which is just like, looks like the best party in the fucking world. So, David, what's your uh, vote? <clears throat> so we have two votes. First man, one vert, one vert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my vote is actually going to be for A Star is Born. Nice. Uh, it gives First Man the win, but uh, I just wanted to say Star is Born, I think, does a great job of mixing... Um, Kind of honestly showing what uh, song like music at a concert sounds like. <laughs> if you look at like La La Land or something when they have their concert scene, it's like pristine audio, and that is never a concert, and especially that's never what the band on stage actually hears. Um, I think it does a good job of saying of showing what that actually sounds like. They do a good job of actually showing the the music in all kinds of settings, like in person. At the uh, drag bar, at a concert, at SNL, all the different things. And does a good job of show, kind of giving a glimpse into what life with tinnitus is kind of like. Yeah, there's a great scene when she walks out before they sing Shallow for the first time where it kind of zooms and focuses on her and the sound changes kind of from his point of view to her POV. Mm-hmm. It's, it was super interesting how it went from muffled to super clear. Yeah. Um, it was my number three. It was really good. Yep, but First Man takes it with two votes. Nice. Then we go to uh, Sound Mixing's buddy, Sound Editing. So the layman explanation for this is that this is sound creation. Think explosions, think war, think stuff like that. Think pew-pew, laser sabers, <laughs> all that good stuff. So our nominations here are uh, First Man, uh, also A Quiet Place, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Roma. So I'll go first because I don't think I've gone first in a while or whatever. I'm going The Quiet Place. Uh, only place to reward this film, and if you don't reward its sound, uh, fuck you. <laughs> and I just think it does a great job with uh, cr- applauding your choice. <laughs> we've got a we've got our own mini episode uh, from Breaking Bad, Catch a Mosquito. Yeah, <laughs> but it does a great job of uh, you know creating the sound from the monsters. Uh, um, Creating the uh, the sound that's going on in that environment, and also uh, experiencing what the cochlear implant, I guess, can uh, can do for the Millicent Simmons character, and also how it can be used as a weapon. I think that they do a great job with it. Mm. It really rackets up the tension with how they're creating that sound. So that's why I'm awarding it. Agreed with pretty much everything you said. So you're picking a quiet place. I was very ready to until about a week ago when I saw First Man. Um. I think the most intense scene of film I saw this year was the Gemini 5 mission that kind of was a disaster, Um, and it was 100% due to the sound, I think, in that scene. Them spinning out of control was so good, and that just like constant womp, 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 wom
really, really well done. So my vote here is uh, First Man. Um, a Quiet Place is a close second and had my vote up until I saw the Chazelle flick. I'm going to make Brent create the tie and say that I'm picking First Man also. Uh, I, I really think that it is that the sound, as much as it is a star of A Quiet Place, it is plays the same role in First Man. So I'm picking sound, both First Man's. Well, the two movies that have been picked so far are, I think, far and away top two for me in this category. Um, I actually didn't didn't really love the mix of First Man that much because I found sometimes the voices were hard to understand. In uh, I, I had trouble with the dialogue mm-hmm. at times um, because the thing that I was most impressed with was the editing, the sound editing in First Man, and I think this is where it shines more for me. Um, being said, Quiet Place is phenomenal in the same regard. Um, I. Ugh. I, I hate this. I hate this vote because I really loved this movie and, and I don't want to shut it out, but I'm shutting it out because I'm voting for First Man here. Uh, First Man. I'm the same way, man. It hurts the feels. I yeah. wanted, I'm wanted. i so, so glad that A Quiet Place got nominated for an Oscar. Sure. And I think I actually like A Quiet Place better even, the movie, a little bit. It's, I think they're fairly close for me. Yeah, they're, but, they're very close. But... Uh, and again, so much of a quiet place is, is is its incredible sound. But I think in the in sound creation, that's the thing I really noticed in First Man was yeah. Uh, a quiet place also has great characters, has great screenplay. The world that's built is kind of just as important as the the sound. Mm-hmm. So it's the only place for Oscar to reward it. But you know, you can check out our top tens for other places. We sure. So you're it. you're saying the place is as important as the quiet. Yeah. That's a good point. Also, uh, if we're mad that we have to shut it out here, uh, not our fault. I would have nominated it for more than just that one True. category. I would have nominated Emily Blunt for Best Supporting Actress. Well, maybe, maybe two. Yeah. I think more than First Man, honestly. She, uh, more than Claire Foy in First Man, mm-hmm. who I think probably should have been nominated as well. I think A Quiet Place was uh, on three of our top tens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good call. Not our fault. We we shouldn't have been forced into that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> So, a sound decision. Sound editing. <laughs> First man. Uh, we're going to go on to uh, best song. And here we have um, here we have Shallow from Stars Born, All, All the Stars from Black Panther, uh, The Place Where Lost Things Go, Mary Poppins Returns, I'll Fight from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG, and uh, When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Well, let's hear the squirrel votes first. No, no takers. The what? What's this, what does that mean? Squirrel <laughs> votes means people who are uh, basically picking outside of what they think is like the actual oh, okay. like room favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the Oscar favorite is our favorite probably at the end and is the best original song I've heard written for a movie in a very, very long time. Uh, yeah. Cowboy Trades' Spurs for Wings is funny as shit i'm so glad it got nominated it's the best part of that movie for me mm-hmm. um but yeah shallow is a fucking pop hit it's fantastic spurs for wings is far and away the second best song i think this uh, in this category uh, but the only thing that could have topped shallow for me was maybe another song from star is born yeah that i liked more mm-hmm. so shallow easy vote for me yep same for me yep. although scruggs clear number two for me <coughs> yeah yep 
And I wouldn't have even picked Place Where Lost Things Go as my favorite Mary Poppins Returns song. Uh, but, you know, still not my choice. But Shallow still would have beaten all the songs from Mary Poppins. I figure this may be the slam dunkiest category of the night. Yeah. Mm, you already called that for foreign language. It's close, though, between <laughs> the two. Do you know... The does the I'm curious, what are actual... Do you know betting odds on Shallow? Is it like, two what, like one to five or something? You, you bet like three to one odds. Just three to one? Yeah. I bet it's like... I figured it would be like one to three. I figured it'd be like yeah. such a huge favorite. Three to one. Might even put down some money on that. That's <laughs> such an easy money. Yeah. What's next? Alright, still in the music category, we got Best Original Score. So our nominees here are If Bill Street Could Talk, uh, Black Panther, Mary Poppins Returns, Black Klansman, and Isle of Dogs. Well, I'll start by saying there's there's one movie I'm disappointed to not see here, and I thought the score in First Man was really good. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah it was and great. What they do with the zither to incorporate that into like the ethereal lunar stuff, and I thought it was phenomenal. I can't believe it's not here. Yeah, I also, I also want to say I I was I really enjoyed the score in the favorite. I thought it was a perfect tone setting device because it's not technically a score, right? It's not yeah, original, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, I agree. The music one of the was best. fantastic. Weirdly, it's a soundtrack. Yeah, but it's it's it was a great soundtrack. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see uh, if Bill Street could talk, and I didn't see Mary Poppins Returns. So I'm picking between the other three. I really I liked the uh, I do really like the score in Black Panther, and I liked the uh, score in Black Klansman as well. But I'm going Olive Dogs here. It's a uh, big fan of uh, so, some Taito drums. Yeah, Taito drums are great. I'm going Olive Dogs as well. Interesting. I'm going to go Black Klansman. Or no, 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 sorry. I'm going Black Panther. <laughs> I got confused. I love the Ludwig Gordonson stuff. Uh, using like the hip-hop 808s in the score for Killmonger. And I think it just does some really interesting stuff there. I was a big fan of the score. I've listened to it on Spotify since. He was a uh, uh, USC film student like peer of Kugler. Pretty it reminded me of the the NYU film class that's like it was like Angley and or Angley Spike Lee and yeah, but he was also a classmate of Angley. Yeah, so oh, that's he, right. He didn't I was, speak. I English. was just like they're both they're, their last names aren't both Lee. That's crazy. <laughs> or make them brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm not trying to be too divisive here, but I I'm also taking uh, Black Panther. I just am a sucker for a, a hip hop inspired score to crack the. Really crusty uh, establishment, mm-hmm. um, kind of usher in more youth into the academy. Not that you know Wes Anderson is, is particularly you know funny duddy <laughs> about the way he makes his movies, right? Um, and who's the composer on that score? The Greenwood, uh, Alexander Desplat. Desplat. Yeah. Um, so I just think Desplat's done similar things for Wes Anderson's stop motion animation, even movies. Or some of his other stuff. That being said, the boardroom stuff and like the, uh, the 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 national press conferences are my favorite scenes in Isle of Dogs. Um, just like kind of the the high farce of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the score does a fantastic job in Isle of Dogs of setting you up for a fantastic tale in that intro in the gym, where it's just like you know that it's all gonna be crazy like if you fucked up and you just came because you like puppies yeah and you don't know who Wes Anderson is now you're like okay this is a this is a fantasy yeah we're gonna talk fantasy now um, and I think the score is predominantly what sets you up for that and what 
you know, kind of lets you know what you're getting into from the get-go. And honestly, in Black Panther, it was kind of lost for me. I couldn't tell you what the score was. I've seen that movie three times, and it is not memorable at all. It was good. I don't. I don't. Not, don't think it was bad because I can't remember it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't aid the story at all for me. Um, <clears throat> nearly as much as a lot of the the soundtrack did. From well, See, it's so subjective because I would say it. It along with the production design and stuff helped create that world and made really differentiate it from other Marvel stuff for me. The Black Panther score. Well, one of us is going to have to give away on this, and I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to be y'all. It's going to be me. Uh, Black Panther, I'm happy to switch to Black Panther. I really loved that score, too. I even went back and watched part, different a few parts of the movie today and uh, for various categories tonight, and uh, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me was on, my, on this watch, at least, uh, partial watch, I really enjoyed the uh, sort of various... African roots of uh, the score. And it was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you do that because I don't want to talk about things I dislike about Isle of Dogs score because I do think that is a fantastic score. Mm-hmm. They were easy in my top two. Yeah, it was my top two as well. I had Black Panther's one above, above Black Panther. I but, did like that score. I love yeah. the, like the, the, it's kind Motifs. of escalating like yeah. uh, uh, black exploitation horns yep. and stuff. Kind of bringing it into a prestige type movie. Yeah, it was but fun. And good. the Beale Street score is just phenomenal. Nice. nice. I've heard clips of it and it sounds beautiful. I just can't. It's just, it's just, it's just a breathtaking love story and it is pinned well by the score. Yeah, nice. it's just a blind spot. Yep. I haven't seen it. All right, next we have uh, production design. Um, nominees here are the favorite Black Panther, Roma, Mary Poppins Returns, and First Man. We have two guild winners here. Favorite one for period and Black Panther one for fantasy. Um, I don't jump in here on this category because I feel pretty strongly about it. Um, the category was fucking stacked, first off. Yeah. <laughs> for production design. This is insane. These yeah. five movies. Uh, Roma was just gorgeous. And the safety of the house versus the like chaos of the riots... Uh, and they even did that at the end with a beach where it was like so split into like serene and violence mm-hmm. yeah. uh, on that final scene in Roma was really fucking good. First Man, obviously, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And the favorite was some of my favorite production design early on mm-hmm. in Oscar season. Uh, having said that, it was not my favorite Marvel movie of the year, but... Uh, Mary Poppins Returns? Yeah. <laughs> but it was some of the most uh, phenomenal world building I've ever seen in a movie like that. And my mm-hmm. vote wholeheartedly goes to Black Panther for production design. Uh, I thought Wakanda was, it was so much fun riding that like camera zoom into Wakanda for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous. And uh, the first time a Marvel movie, hooray, we caught the fucker. <laughs> yes. We're all like travel painted up, dancing around now. <laughs> I've got my Japanese drums out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was, it is a Marvel movie I'd never done, I thought too, which was like, Here's not this like urban setting. Yeah, because before that, um, some Marvel movies seem pretty samey. They're yeah. all in the same Atlanta backstage, and it's <laughs> like a generic and not gray, to be like, urban airport or like all the same kind of feeling sets. And not to like echo that critical trope of like New York City's the main character in the movie or whatever, <laughs> but like Wakanda is. It just yeah. is. Right. Like, Wakanda forever. Yeah. 
Uh, it was it was great, and, and it goes from more than that too. Like the production design and the tech, like labs, is super oh, yeah. fun, and the bar scene is super laid out. It's really cool. Yeah, all the way up to like the like the room where they grow the herb that uh, that T'Challa takes. The, and the Black Panther production takes. design of the cool. tribe that's in the mountains that got kicked out. The Jabari tribe, beautiful. The, yeah. the the crossing over and meeting the ancestors in the astral plane is just like really well thought out. And we talked some in the Facebook groups about like I can't believe this movie's getting nominated for stuff. It's not my favorite. It's not even my best Marvel movie of the year. And like I agree, I think Infinity War was the better movie. But like this is one part where I think Black Panther just knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah, and I agree. So I'm I'm a I am I am not just echoing TJ sentiments. I also agree that it's uh, best production design. David? Um, dang. I got, it's between two and it really hurts for me. Uh, Black Panther and The Favorite. I think The Favorite does a great job of something you've seen before that period setting and just uh, put everything on a little bit of a tilt that it's kind of, t- it's taking the piss or satirizing or, or making a farce of it, but it also, uh, part of the production design is it reveals like the darkness of that, that place. But uh, I still got to go Black Panther. Um, it creates that world, it, like you said, like it, it mixes all these, um, for a degree of difficulty, mixes all of these different stages, like the, the, the fantasy of the, you know, the, the other, or the uh, crossing over in the Black Panther spiritualism, the Afrofuturism um, of the lab and all the, you know, uh, African excellence. And uh, even Oakland. Oakland's great, man. Yeah. yeah. I just think it, yeah, it does a pretty great job, so I'm going to go Black Panther with uh, a little bit of a tear for the favorite. Yeah. Bring it. Uh, I'm completely fine with the way this is going. I'm going to vote for Roma, but it's uh, Black Panther is a close two. So. Yeah, I feel so bad because in uh, production design, I had Roma fourth. <laughs> and I was like, How? It was amazing. Real good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was probably Black Panther favorite first man. Maybe Roma than first man and Mary Poppins. It was tough. Stat category. Yeah. Sure. Black Panther takes it. Production design. So now we're going to go into... Uh, the one that we are uh, most knowledgeable about. <laughs> sure. Makeup and hairstyling. We know what makeup is and we know what hairstyling is. But we have no real good accuracy in getting this category right. Yeah, and also just have five five nominees. Like you could yeah. easily have two more nominees here that are deserving. Then then Oscar won't threaten to not show your category. Yeah, <laughs> you have five. We've uh, seen we've seen one movie, right? I but have not. The nominees first are Vice, Mary Queen of Scots, and Border. Yeah, Chris and I have seen Vice. Nobody's seen the other two yet. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, and I'm fine with Vice winning it here. It was really, really good. I don't know how much of that was Bale and Adams and how much of that was the makeup team, but I saw some Christian Bale like photos while he was filming First Man or uh, while he was filming Vice, um, but not like on set. And he put on a bunch of weight, but I'm still putting. <laughs> it's my only vote. I can't vote for anything else. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm also voting for Vice. Is the only other uh, category entry here. Um, uh, a, Christian Bale gained so much weight that it uh, surprised Adam McKay. He did yeah. not expect him to lose that much weight. He was bigger than Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, think of him hairstyling. It's, you know, good. I wish Border wanted me to see their movie. Yeah. Because I'd watch it. Yeah. I abstain because I haven't seen any of these movies. I haven't seen any of them either, but I'm still going to vote. Go for I'm, it. I'm voting for Vice. 
Uh, I've seen I've seen some pictures from the other movies, so I have an idea of what the makeup and the hairstyling looks like. And you know, for for Border, it kind of reminded me of the Alpha Man, like quality of uh, hairstyling and makeup I could have seen thirty years ago, yeah. maybe. And to, to argue with you when there is no need for it, because we all agree, <laughs> uh, pictures is a little rough on on hair and makeup to kind of get the whole thing across. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, like, I remember, like, A Man Called Ove was so impressive because of a lot of what was going with the motion on um, with that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've read and hear about Border. I don't know if anybody else has read any about this. I've not. But apparently it, it is, uh, there are, like, ticks and stuff on facial features that, that work in cool ways. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Mangled- I just don't want to, like, shit on the movie that, right. you know what I mean? Right. Sure. If I'm not mistaken, A Man Called Ove did not win. No. no, but we just it won our thing, right? Mm-hmm. It won the the one that matters, yeah. Yep. Good point. <laughs> the one that history will remember. Yes, the final attention man. Okay, <laughs> vice takes it. All right, next one we have is film editing. Um, this one's interesting. Uh, a bunch of uh, things that would have been front writers didn't make it, but the nominees we do have are Vice, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody. The favorite in Green Book. So just two things to note here. The Guild winners, uh, they split comedy and drama. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won for drama. And the favorite won for comedy. And then uh, just the other thing to note is, like, what's not here is Roma, is A Star is Born, is First Man. Kind of all of them were presumed to get it and all of them missed out. Mm -hmm. I think I would have taken uh, A Star is Born number one here if it was... A, an eligible choice. Um, that being said, uh, I, I'm going to uh, pick Black Klansman. Uh, I, I was really surprised by this movie. I thought that it worked well and clipped along at a great pace um, and enjoyed the Spike Lee-isms that I don't think get to flourish without a trusty editor um, working alongside with him. Uh, you know, there's lots of panning scenes of activists speaking directly into the camera at you, the audience member, um, that I think were really effective. Yeah. I'll go next because nice transition because I'm also voting Black Klansman. Uh, especially I think they do a great job of uh, cross-cutting between the clan initiation and Harry Belafonte <coughs> uh, talking about the uh, the murder of the, of the, the black man in Colorado. I think mm-hmm. it was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, do a great job of... Um, yeah, talking about the actual impact of what's gone, going on over there and just the highs and the lows of they're all excited and all their spouses are there and it's also not the people you expect. I think does a great job with that. I like the editing of the the Kwame Ture or the brother brother Kwame speech at the beginning. You know, uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael does a speech and they do a great job of kind of silhouetting the the people listening to it. And I just think that, uh, you know, it's controversial, but I think they do a good job cutting in the current events at the end to kind of bring it to current day. Yeah. Um, you have the victory, but the victory is kind of hollowed out for the characters and then hollowed out for the audience by seeing that. And I think it was a great job. Also, like Chris is saying, I mean, it, it goes uh, it goes down smooth. It is a very entertaining movie for subject matter that can be very difficult to swallow. Mm-hmm. TJ, what's your vote? Um, it's going to end up being a little bit of a protest vote, I guess, not an official protest vote, because I did have Black Plains, but number two, I thought it was really well done there. Um, probably the second most memorable thing about that movie for me was the editing, and it was really well done. Um, but I'm going Vice here. Um, 
I think it was probably the best part of the movie outside of Adams and Bill's performances. Um, if you're going to do make a movie that's that original, um, like Adam McKay has done now twice with The Big Short and, and this, that editing has to be fucking perfect or it will suck. Yeah. And uh, he did it again. I mean, I, I'm not bored with this style of film yet. I probably will get there, but I'm going to give him his props until I do. So. Yeah, and I, I will just say now before Brent jumps in, Brent, I know you didn't get to see Vice, um, but just to sing Vice's praise uh, and kind of where I end up with Black Klansmen is I really do put them and that editing style kind of on the same tilt. I think both of them do it. Yeah. And they, they, they yeah, go yeah. for Super the similar. same thing, uh, and it is a similar story. It is juxtaposing this crazy, incredible story yeah. with modern day. And um, I found the message in Black Clansman to be a little more powerful. Um, and I think that's because it kind of focuses on the whole rather than the individual. Sure. Um, you know, I think that it's more powerful, maybe not more important. And I, I think that is, is a, a hard line to draw. But I think as of yesterday, when we're recording this now, yesterday, we are seeing more about the unitary executive that is terrifying. Yeah. Um, but I'm still in Camp Klansman. <laughs> well, let me, let me uh, mention a couple other nominees here real quick. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So... Um, so are, you, are you picking Paddington 2 again? I really, like the, I really liked the editing in Favorite. I think it's a, an underrated quality of that movie, how it kind of bounces from from storyline to storyline, because you have three storylines that all kind of need equal treatment in that movie, and it does a really nice job balancing all three of the uh, the queen and the old favorite, new favorite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'd also say, editing in a comedy is super underrated, yep. and they do a great job of nailing the jokes yep. and nailing the <coughs> stuff in that. I agree. Uh, so the favorite... Is definitely a contender for me. Uh, Green Book, it's just it's kind of told in a very straightforward manner, and there's I have no idea why the editing is is recognized here. I don't think the editing is bad, but I just don't think the the I don't think there was really a high level of difficulty for putting this movie together. I don't think there's a lot I'll of waste. A, I'll put a little love to Green Book's way, only that there was zero. They did a fantastic job of. I always felt like I knew where they were in that two month trip. Mm-hmm. Sure. The time travel there, you know, was done really well and you're seamlessly. Well I knew exactly where we were, when we were, how long we were along. You were well-oriented. Yes. It is an efficient bit of filmmaking. And that is 100% credit to that. Well, that transitions to the other movie I want to talk about, Bohemian Rhapsody, real quick. Uh, this one's the award for most editing of the year. Um, constant editing. It is... This movie has absolutely no focus in its storytelling. I was so disoriented with the plotting of the story, mostly due to the constant edits in the movie. It might be up there on my worst Oscar nominations of all time, is Bo Ra for editing. Like, I think the editing was one of the biggest problems with the movie. There were multiple times where I was like, those were on the same album? That's what, oh, nope, nope, this is eight years later. Sorry. <laughs> I was super confused. Yeah. And actually, you're right a couple times, because they definitely <laughs> mess up the chronology with the cutting of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that screenplay or editing, though? Because I they, they wrote the scenes that way. I think that's Brian May. Well, I don't know how they... Because, I mean... It, I, I don't know. 
when you lose a director, it all goes out the window. I don't know who fucked up. Yeah, it's like Freddie Mercury coming out that he has AIDS and like the band is in disarray before Live Aid. All of that's not true. Right. The timing is all wrong. They were still touring up until Live Aid, and he had he told them like earlier than that. It wasn't a. We well, done the solo thing that happened. Yeah. Which was before Live Aid, obviously, but. So for me, that wasn't as much of the problem as as it was the constant like cutaway shots to yeah. to like oh here's a. You know, somebody's talking, and they get three words out of their mouth, and then here's a, a foot pedal, and then here's something else, and just back and forth. At, at one point, I counted, or I, I was actually watching specifically for this, because I think around five minutes of the movie went by at one point without any take lasting more than about four or five seconds. That's, that's the Michael Bay test. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> circling back to my vote, my vote is for Black Klansman. It was... Uh, uh, pretty close between it and the favorite for me, but um, Black Klansman, for the reasons that I think one of you mentioned, which was uh, telling the multiple stories uh, mm-hmm. together, really impressed me, the way they did it. Yep. Vice right. is a number two for me, in case that helps soften the landing a little. A little bit. Alright, so uh, <clears throat> Black Klansman takes film editing. Next one up is costume design. I believe this is the last one before we take a break. That's correct. Uh, so we have the favorite, Black Panther, Mary Queen of Scots, Mary Poppins Returns, and the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, this is another one where I'm pretty opinionated here. Um, I'm also like, you know, 10 years living with a person who studies historic costume. <laughs> so I kind of do whatever she tells me to do in this category every year. Uh, and I'm going to kind of go into the Hunger Games rule. Which was the Hunger Games costume designer famously had to uh, design like three thousand or two thousand costumes for Mockingjay, and I think it's a shame that she never got nominated for any of those four films. Uh, I'm going wholeheartedly with Black Panther here. Um, I know that the favorite, according to Cassandra, was a little tougher and a little better done than a lot of period pieces, but I'm going to go with the person who had to create a wardrobe for a fictional country that has tech that doesn't exist. I mean, good lord. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to echo that, not just because I think that you are, uh, since she's not in the room, and even if she was, uh, would not be willing to speak, um, the, the leading expert here in this category, um, but so much about costume design is about the ability to like create and lend to the setting and the production and the, 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 the timing, the era, uh, and with... Black Panther, you are creating a culture. Um, and with that, it starts with the appearance of the characters. So I agree. I like Black Panther a lot for this award. I'll go. You know what? What do the experts know, honestly? <laughs> I don't need to listen to an expert. I'm just going to go off which one do I think look coolest. And that answer is Black Panther. <laughs> so, so, different route, same destination. <laughs> Yeah, this one again for me, uh, just like production design, uh, my top two were really tough. The favorite in Black Panther. Uh, I am going to give it to Black Panther for the sweep. Um, in addition to creating like a setting for the costumes, I think that they did a really good job reflecting character in those costumes, especially the differentiation for the different tribes. Yeah, yeah. You can instantly tell like where they are in their in their technological endeavors and their like pecking order within Wakanda when you just see them at like the the great waterfall of of fighting kings or whatever. I forget what, what that place is called, but... I think yeah, that's it. It's the Waterfall of Fighting Kings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh, a straight fighter, colon. Kind of to 
piggyback on what David was saying, they did a good job of blending, you know, African history and costume there with, you know, superhero fantastical nonsense. Yeah. So, yeah, Black Panther is good. Um, we wrap it up part one here. We'll probably upload it at the same time, but... Yeah, so uh, make sure to tune in for part two, where we hit the categories you probably tuned in on part one to hear. So. <laughs> Plus cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> Although we are done talking about the movies that everyone goes, why don't those get nominated? Uh, cinematography will actually be done off air, <laughs> but we'll tell you about it on the next podcast. <laughs> Bye. Bye.